Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults Podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash youngadults. It is good to be here. I've been looking forward to this uh, all day long. Uh, and if it's all right with you guys, I want to tell you a funny story that happened to me today uh, to start things off. It has nothing to do uh, with, our, with what we're talking about tonight, but I think it's funny. I walked in. I teach uh, some of the time. Most of the time, I'm in the elementary world, okay? But uh, some of the time, I teach at an uh, alternative school, and there's high schoolers there, right? So there's like a whole high school at uh, this school that I teach at. And I walked in the gym this morning as I teach PE, and this high school kid comes up to me and he's shooting some baskets and he goes, hey, are you the new student? And I was like, uh, man, I graduated 10 years ago, but I, I thought the wedding ring and the beard would give it away, but apparently I still look like I'm in high school. So um, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just a funny story that happened to me. I hope you guys uh, had something funny happen to you uh, today as well. So um, man, it's good to be here. I love, man, I, I'm, I'm excited about this series. I really am. Um, and I'm excited to uh, just be diving into Scripture tonight. Uh, to be honest with you, I want to start with something uh, real quick. Uh, I came across an article yesterday, um, and it was talking about a pastor in Malaysia. His name is uh, Raymond Ko, all right? And he's a pastor in Malaysia. And uh, that it actually showed a video of that this man, who, who is a, a Christ follower, because he was speaking Christ to, this, uh, to Muslims in his community, to people who are of the Islam, Islamic faith, he was actually, it shows the video that he was taken by a caravan of cars, like seven or eight SUVs pull up and they, they steal his car and take him. And he's actually been missing since that happened. And it just kind of opened my eyes and he's, he's been missing for quite some time now. And uh, I started to think about, you know, I don't know where you're at tonight and what you believe in uh, or, or what it is that uh, you, you know, you're here for, but I think it's pretty awesome that we have the freedom to be here. There, you, you know, there's a lot of things going on in our country that you can be unhappy about, but we have the freedom to gather. And regardless if you're like, you, yeah, I don't even know what I believe in God, at least you have the freedom to search. And so I just want to open tonight, like we get caught in our Springfield bubble. You get caught, because I know I do too, in your bubble of what's going on in your world. But there's actually Christ followers being persecuted around the globe for preaching the very message that we're going to talk about tonight. And so I want to take a moment and... Uh, to just pray for Raymond and uh, that, that he would return to his family uh, and, and just for other Christians who are being persecuted around the world. So why don't you guys pray with me? God, uh, I just pray for Raymond and what, what his family's going through and, and what he might be going through, Lord, that, um, man, I just pray for people who are persecuted around the world who aren't able to even search out what they believe, who don't even have the opportunity. I praise you that I have the opportunity and that we, as gathered here tonight, have the ability to open your word and to see what you have to say. And so um, I just pray for those who are persecuted around the world, and I pray for the people in here that as we are gathered freely, that you would open our hearts to what you have to say. It's in your name we pray. Uh, amen. And so, uh, man, that was just on my heart. 
I saw that article yesterday, and so I wanted to talk about that with you guys because I think we get stuck in our own mindset here. And uh, so we're in this To Live is Christ series, and Jared kicked it off last week, and he killed it. If you weren't here last week and you didn't hear Jared's message, I want to encourage you so much to go back. You can either go on anywhere you get podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. Go to YouTube and watch Jared's message because that sets the tone for this series when we're talking about uh, this book of Philippians is the book that we're in, and it's a letter written by a man named Paul. I'm going to give you some brief uh, overview of what Jared covered last week, that this is a letter, and it's very much a letter of encouragement. It's a man pouring out his heart by the name of Paul to a church in a place called Philippi. And so Paul was one of the early leaders in the Christian church. And this is what he did is he uh, was actually an enemy of the cross at one point. So if you're in here tonight and you're like, I've done some bad things, there's no way, like I shouldn't even be here, just know you're in good company. That Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, or a lot of the New Testament, he was an enemy to Jesus. He was an enemy to God, but he had a radical transformation in his life, so there's hope for that. But after this, as Paul begins following Christ, and he's really consumed With the message of Christ, he goes to a region called Macedonia, and he visits this place called Philippi. And out of his visit there, he's preaching the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, that three people, Jared talked about them last week, a Roman jailer. We have Lydia, who's kind of like a CEO at that time, like a girl boss lady. Uh, the, The slave girl, a Roman jailer, and Lydia, they start kind of this church. And so 10 years later, Paul is writing the book of Philippians while he's in prison. So the man is in prison. Keep that in mind while we're talking about this tonight. That he is in prison writing a a letter to a church of people that he cares about so much because 10 years before he had helped launch this whole thing. So could you imagine like the emotional attachment he has to him? And so... Jared really kicked it off well last week and set the stage for us. And I just want to encourage you. It takes about 10 to 15 minutes to read through the book of Philippians. It's four chapters long. If you would go in there and just read it in one setting, it would be an amazing thing for you. I promise. I've read it sitting down just several times in one setting. And it's just powerful when you know what Paul had gone through. And you know why he was writing, it's powerful to read uh, the words that he has written. And we're going to be covering three verses tonight. And uh, we're going to be in uh, chapter 1, and we're going to be verses 9 through 11 tonight. And we're really just going to be breaking it down and seeing what does Paul have to say. And so, uh, starting in verse 9, you can follow along with me on the screens. If you have the High Street app and sermon notes, I would suggest that tonight. I'm going to be making several different points. I think it might help you to follow along there if you want to. Okay, you don't have to. Maybe you're like anti-phone. Anybody like, you'd rather take notes on paper? I feel you on that, okay? I can't read like, I can't read my Bible on my phone. It just doesn't work for me. I don't know. Maybe it, wor- it works for some people. Jared and I were talking about this. Paper guys, you know what I'm saying? Saving the Bible bookstore. The local Bible bookstore will be saved from us. Come on. I don't know where I'm going with that. All right. So verse 9, I better read this passage, right, at some point. And this is what Paul says. He says, In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and to the praise of God. 
And I want you to go back. We're going to sit in verse 9 here first off. I want you to, to sit in verse 9 for a second and realize that this is what Paul is praying for these people. That 10 years before this, he had visited this place and helped share the gospel message, the hope in Jesus Christ. And so can you imagine how much he cares for these people? And that while these are Paul's words, they were inspired by God. And I believe that it's the same thing that he wants to tell us as people today. Us as the church today. And he says, in this I pray, and in this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Now, it's important to note here, like, um, I feel like I've talked about this multiple times in, in messages, but it's so important. What in the world is the love that Paul is talking about here? What does he mean? Like, we have a lot of different ideas about what love is, and there's even songs like, what is love? Um, and I won't sing it, but I, man, I really want to, but I know that I can't sing. Um, but really, what is love? What is the love that he's talking about right here? And what Paul is talking about here is a, is a word for love is, the, is, is agape. So most of the, I mean, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek which was like a common Greek language that people could understand. I think that's no accident. I've said that before, that it's no accident. God wanted his word accessible to all people. And it's written in Koine Greek in this word agape, right? This word agape, what it really means is uh, one of the best ways I've seen it described is love that is of God and from God. Agape love is love that is of God and from, from God. It, it's different than brotherly love. It's different than like, hey, you see your guy and you, you, know, you dap him up in the hallway at school or whatever. Um, or it's different than romantic love. Like I love my wife, but like this, this agape love is something different. It's love that is of God and it's love that is from God. Another way I heard it described is this, is that agape love is modeled by Christ. It is not based on feeling, rather it is a determined act of will, a joyful resolve to put the welfare of, uh, of others above our own. That's a lot different than the love we talk about in our culture. Usually when we're talking about love, it's tied to our sexuality, it's tied to our romantic feelings, but this is love that is not based on emotion, but is a willful act towards somebody. It's putting somebody else's needs above your own. It is love that is of God and from God. It's love that is of God and from God. And maybe you're sitting there and you're like, okay, that's agape love. Like, I got that. Um, or maybe you're, you're like, I still don't really uh, understand. Can you give me an example? The, the thing is, is that agape love is the most clear the, biggest, the clearest picture of agape love is what Jesus did for us on the cross. Is what God did in sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. And this is, this is what I like to do a lot of times. I like to end a message by sharing the gospel and like asking you, have you ever made a decision to follow Jesus? Have you ever actively chose to follow Jesus in your life? But honestly, I just want to start with that tonight and tell you that the clearest picture of love that you will ever see of agape love is that you were a sinner that you didn't do things in your life that God has asked you to do. That makes you a sinful person. The Bible tells us that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm in that category. You're in that category. And like, you're used to hearing that, some of you, but like, we are sinful people. 
that God chose to rescue us by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. And and I was sitting here thinking while we were singing, I was thinking about my daughter, and we're going to talk about her again in a second, but I'm like, if I had to willfully watch my daughter go through pain, I don't know if I could handle that. And God had to do that. The creator of the universe had to send his son to die on a cross because we are sinful people. But he did it willfully. Why? Because his desire all along is that we would be connected with him. That sin separated us from God. But the cross connects us back to God. And what Jesus did for us on a cross, that he lived a life of no sin. That is the ultimate form of agape love. So next time you're standing in the grocery line and you're irritated at the person who's using self-checkout for 72 items and you got three, like just know like God died for them too. And it's not, and if, and if you're a Christ follower, like that shouldn't be a big deal to you because man, it just changes our perspective. It changes the way we think about things when we understand what God did for us on the cross, what he did in sending his son Jesus, that the start, the clearest picture of agape love is, is definitely displayed at the cross. That is the clearest picture in all scripture of agape love. And we see that this is a term that we start to see this word throughout the New Testament. And it kind of starts circulating as these Christians, as these Christ followers are living life. They're demonstrating this love that is of God and from God. And so what does Paul say in verse 9? He says, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and discernment. In knowledge and discernment. You can, I'll tell you this much. I don't know where my man Elvis is at tonight, but like, I love Elvis. Uh, he's here somewhere. I know he is. And I asked him if I, could, if I could use him as an example. Like Elvis to me is someone that I want to be like. If you get a chance to meet Elvis, you're gonna, your life's going to be better for it. That he demonstrates agape love so well. Like Elvis loves people selflessly. I get to see him serve all around the church. He's one of our youth residents here. And like he loves people. And I want that in my life. But I don't just want love, right? Paul isn't saying, hey, just love people and it's going to be okay. He's saying that I want you to grow in love, but I also want you to grow in knowledge and discernment. And when you look at this word here, when we go back to the Greek, he's not just talking about, I want you to know stuff. I want you to memorize textbooks. He's talking about like an ethical knowledge. Sometimes it's described as true knowledge, the truest knowledge that is of God and from God. That that's what he wants us to grow. He wants us to grow in, in that love, in that agape love, right? But he also wants us to, to grow in knowledge and discernment. And so uh, I've got a little analogy for here, here you for, and I told you I'd talk about um, my daughter again. Uh, I want to ask, I've got a video, and, and they're going to play it here. And uh, it, it's great because I just want you to watch it because it's funny. But you guys can go ahead and Ooh, play nice that. nice dance moves, girl. Sorry about my laugh. <laughs> you still got to... <laughs> just wait for it. Just wait for it. Just wait for it. And we're down. <laughs> so, man, I, I show that to you. I love just watching videos of my daughter, to be honest with y'all. Um, but I love her. It is easy for me to, like, demonstrate agape love 
towards my daughter. I, I will willfully love her for her entire life, whether she wants me to or not. Um, I'm going to love her, all right? And, uh, and, and so when I think about that, it's like that's easy for me to willfully love her. It's, um, you have to as a parent really um, you don't really have a choice always. You have to put their needs, if you are going to be a parent and be active in their life, you have to put their needs above your own. But it is not enough that I just love my daughter. It's not enough. What, if I parent her with just love and I don't use any knowledge, I don't use any discernment, I don't try to, to see what are other parents doing, what is working, how can I better guide her life, how can I help her to make better decisions, if I just have love towards her and I don't teach her anything, then I'm really not doing anything for her. That I have to both love her and demonstrate what it looks like to have knowledge and wisdom and not just, this will change your parenting because this is something I didn't really think about before being a parent, is that I don't just need to teach her things. I'm responsible for teaching my child the gospel. I'm responsible for teaching her that she is fearfully and wonderfully made and that God designed her with a plan and a purpose in her life. That I have, uh, uh, I have to teach her, I have to show her love, but I also have to show her the, the way to do things. I have to show her what knowledge looks like and how to have discernment. That you can't have love apart from one, uh, you can't have one apart from the other. You need both. And Paul is saying, hey, I want you to grow in love that is of God and from God, but I also want you to grow in knowledge. And why is that? Why do we need those things? Like, I, you might be in here and you're like, I want to abound in love more and more. But practically, how does that play itself out in our lives? And so as we move on to verse 10 here, this is what it says. And Paul says that, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. And so um, what Paul is saying here is really this, is that when you have love and you have knowledge, then you will able to be, uh, then you'll be able to distinguish between what is good and what is evil. When he's talking about things that are excellent, he's talking about being able to distinguish between good and evil, things that are excellent or things that are of God and from God that are good things. He's saying when you have love and you have knowledge and discernment and when you're growing in these things more and more, that what you're able to do is you're then able to distinguish between good and evil. And you can be without offense until the day of Christ. And now this doesn't mean that you will never sin again, right? We are all sinful people, but will you have an attitude of humility and repentance when we make mistakes? That, hey, judgment is coming for all of us. And that is one of the, the uncomfortable truths maybe sometimes that scripture is very clear about, that we will all stand before God and answer for the things that we have done in our lives. It's not always the most comfortable thing, but it's true that what he's truly talking about here is that we will stand at the day of Christ, like he's talking about the rapture, that when we will stand before God and have to answer for what we have done, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I want you to think about like, why does that matter? So if I have love and I have knowledge and discernment, if, if I'm uh, growing in those things, then I will be able to distinguish between good and evil. Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Well, think about it, okay? There are people going throughout life all the time that are on their own deciding what is good and evil, what is right and wrong. 
But we literally have a guide here. God saying, hey, listen, I am a guide to you on what is right and what is wrong. And I forgot to share this verse earlier, so I hope you guys can go back to it. It's Romans uh, 5, 5. And this is what it says, that when we are saved, right, new hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So that, like I was saying earlier, if you're ever going to understand, like when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, it changes who you are. That literally we are promised that the Holy Spirit of God is going to come into our hearts and is able to guide us. That we get that agape love, a piece of that inside of our hearts. It's promised to us in scripture. And so one of the great things about being a Christ follower is that you have the Holy Spirit and it, is, it helps you to distinguish from what is good and from what is evil. That we are able to distinguish between those things. And I don't have to go through life. You know, I think about it this way. Like a movie could be rated R and it's like, can't watch that, it's rated R. Don't watch rated R movies. Like that that might be a good rule. That, that could be a very good thing. Like you could make a very legitimate argument that that's a good rule. But I don't need a rating system to tell me what to do. That when I have the Holy Spirit as a guide and I have Christ and I have God's word, that it will guide me in my life to make decisions to be able to distinguish between what is good and evil. It starts with love. And when I have love and knowledge combined, then I am able to approve things that are excellent. And I am able to take in what God wants me to take in. People all, I mean, think about politicians just going through. And I think there's a lot of politicians who are guided by uh, this mindset that we're talking about right here. But think about some of them. They're just going through of what feels right and wrong to them. It's on what do they think that is right and wrong. And instead, as a Christ follower, I get to go through life and I get to think about, like, what does God say about this? And you might think, well, that's a cop-out. You're just not using your own mind to think. Like, I don't need to use my own mind to think. I have proven time and time again that I am a sinful person. I have proven time and time again that, that I do have evil in my heart. I need a guide that is pure, that is true, that is holy. That's what I need in my life. And that's the benefit we receive whenever we accept this love from God. That's what we receive in our lives. And, and here is a result. So when we have love and we have knowledge, then we are able to distinguish between what is good and evil. And what happens as a result of that? Look at verse 11 here. It says, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. To the glory and to the praise of God. And you might be like me, that fruits of righteousness was something that I had I did not know what that me meant until I was older. Like I heard that in Sunday school, you know what I'm saying? And I, I did not quite understand what that meant. It's kind of a weird analogy, right, to be like the fruit. I don't know, but we, I, we get it, right? The fruits of righteousness. The fruit is like a tree. It bears fruit. The, this comparison is made a lot of times in Scripture is that if, if, you, if righteousness, doing right in God's sight, produces fruit, and when we are righteous, when we do what is right in God's sight, then we have fruit produced in our lives. That fruit is a result of that. What is the result of pursuing Christ? Well, we're going to have more love. We're going to have more peace. 
We're going to have more patience and kindness and understanding and gentleness and self-control. That you will have those things as a result because you have the agape love, you're abounding in it, you're growing in it, and you're growing in knowledge. You're choosing to take in things that God has improved for good, things that are excellent. And what happens as a result of that, you are more righteous, you are more right in God's sight, therefore producing more fruit in your life. Have you ever seen someone that is a Christ follower and you're like, man, I want to be like that person. You don't want to be like that person. What you want to be like is you want to be like God. You want to be the things of God that they are emulating in their lives. Has someone ever come up to you before and said like, man, that's so awesome that, that you were able to act that way. Or it's so awesome that you do that. Or it's so great that, you know, someone will come up to you and compliment you. And a lot of times where I find myself whenever I receive a compliment like that is like, if they only knew, if they only knew who I really am, right? That that's actually just evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life. That I've had someone come up to me before and tell me, you're so laid back about things. And I'm like, <laughs> You don't know me. I am not laid back at all. Some of you guys are laughing because you know, you know. I mean, I'm the guy that in college, I was, I, I'm ashamed to say this, but like I, in this gym that's right behind us, I was in several altercations during pickup basketball. Jared can laugh because he was there. I don't know who else has been there. I hope not too many people, but there's been multiple, like you don't want to be, there's the guy that like gets into it with people during pickup games. He's already an idiot. You know what I'm saying? And then there's the guy that gets in altercations with people at church, church league stuff, right? And he's even more of an idiot. Like I looked as bad as you can possibly look. And the only reason that I can say now at 28 that I've grown in that area is not like, yeah, he's just grown up a lot. No, it's because God has worked in my life in some of those areas and I cannot take credit for it. I literally cannot take credit for it. In our relationship series, I talked about some of the growth I've experienced within my marriage, and that's not a credit to me. It's not a credit to me. It's a credit to consistently walking with God that over time, God will change your life and you will bear fruit of, fruits of righteousness in your life. And so why does this matter to us? All of us in here, we're young adults, right? And um, we have so much time ahead of us. It seems like that. But if we don't start developing some of this now, who will we be when we're 40? Who will we be when we're 50? I mean, I'm so excited about some of your guys' lives in here uh, and really everybody's life in here because you have no idea what God could do through you. In the next 30 years, 40 years, how cool will it be to be Facebook friends and get to see what God is using people? Do you think Facebook will be around that long from now? I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. It'll probably be TikTok by then, you know? I don't have a TikTok, but I hear it's cool. I mean, I, I did look like I was in high school today, so maybe I should think about downloading one when I get home. But, uh, you know, it's going to be awesome to see that in 30 to 40 years, some of the things that God has done in your life. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what it'll be like. You know, I look at some of you in here that I know have huge dreams of what you're going to do for Jesus. And I just sit there and I get excited because I'm like, God is going to use you. He is going to use you because I see that so many of you are already consistent in pursuing Christ on a regular basis and the fruits that you are going to pour out in your life. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. I want to ask the band to come up um, and, and just think about this. That, you know, let, let's recap a little bit as we're talking about this is Paul's, this is Paul's words, right? 
to the church that he helped start. He said, if I can tell you anything, this is what I want to tell you. This is my prayer for you, is that you would grow, like, hey, I want you to abound in love more and more and in knowledge and discernment. That God wants that same thing for us now. He wants us to be able to approve the things that are excellent in our lives. Why? So that we can grow and produce the fruits of righteousness. That's really honestly when I think about like uh, my role here at Young Adults as, as like a spiritual leader or whatever you want to call it. As, a, as, a, as we, we just do this. I just think like that's what I want for you guys. That's my prayer for you, and I hope that it's your prayer for me, and it's our prayer for each other, that that's what we need in our lives. And I don't know where you're at today. And maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't really know what the righteousness looks like in my life. Or maybe you're feeling pretty down because you're struggling with some things. Do you know why you need community? Because it's one thing that you understand, right? It's one thing that you understand what is being said. But my favorite thing is that I get to be friends with Jared and we get to push each other to become more like Christ. My favorite thing is that I get to be friends with Coco and I get to see her grow in Christ and it encourages me that that's why we have community. That that's why we exist and why we gather together. Why? So that we can push each other to become more like Christ. Because really that's it. To live to live as Christ. To live as Christ and to be consumed with the things that are of him. And I want to finish with this, is that when we think about Raymond, right? Raymond Co. A guy that was bold enough in an Islamic state that he knew he was at risk. He had already received uh, um, in his mailbox a box of bullets saying that if you don't stop preaching the message of Jesus Christ, we are going to have you killed. And what does he do? He continues to share the message of Jesus. Why would someone do that? Why would see someone be crazy enough to put their own life at risk and to put their family's life at risk? Because something is going on with this message that we're talking about here. Why were so many of the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, persecuted and killed, and yet the message remains? Could it be that there's something true going on here? God has laid out for us in Philippians a roadmap as to how we can have a better life. That when we do the things that God wants us to do, that our lives are going to be better. It's a roadmap. And there's obviously some kind of truth to it. That's why guys like Raymond Co. continue to preach in spite of what might happen to them. In spite of what might happen to him. Because there is power in God's word. How simple is it that we're sinners and that Christ came, lived a perfect life. He died for us on a cross taking on our punishment that we deserved so that we could have a relationship with God. That's a simple message. It doesn't get old. It doesn't go out of style. That the more that you live for Christ, the better your life is going to be. Not in things of this world, not measured by things of this world, but because you'll be more intimately in love with who God is and who you were created to be. My prayer for this group is that we would be a group that grows in love, that grows in knowledge and discernment, that we would prove things that are uh, prove of the things that are excellent, 
when our society says, do whatever makes you happy, do whatever makes you glad, do whatever brings you joy, find your own truth, that we would say, no, listen, we've got something better than that. God has laid out a clear roadmap for us of what it means to follow Christ. And it's my prayer that that's what our community would be about. Because I don't know about you all, but I want to love more and more. I'm not done. I'm not. But I want to continue to love more and more. I want to grow in knowledge of who God is. I'm not finished, but it's my prayer for my own life that I would continue to grow. And it's my prayer for your life that you would continue to grow. Let's pray. Thank mm-hmm. you.